Are you still rolling? Yes, and you must. Do not stop. <laughs> Do not stop. You want to know things you need to remember for this show? Keep rolling. I was going to tell you a story. Welcome to episode seven. Good golly of the Toronto Beer Podcast with me, Chris Schreier, your host and my co-host. This is Mandy Murphy. Mrs. Miss, how do you send those forms? I uh, don't often get asked, but I guess it would be Mrs. Murphy. You do. Well, and that's your uh, your Twitter, right? It's my, yeah, that's my Twitter and my email address. That's right. So that's good. I thought Mark was, I thought Mark was so clever when he locked up Mr. Murphy at gmail.com. So I'm like, and we had just <laughs> got married. So I'm like, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to lock up Mrs. Murphy at gmail.com. It'll be the Mr. and Mrs. And we got them both. So it's great. That's pretty cool. I, uh, <laughs> I don't know, you've probably seen it, gotten messages and such, and I know frequently I forget my default Gmail is my catch-all, and then like <laughs> if I need to reply from the blog or the podcast or any one of about eight other email addresses that I might use, um, I, I if I forget to do that, I, I respond from my catch-all, which is ericasboy at gmail.com. Mm -hmm. So it wasn't Gmail when I got it. I got it, I think, at Yahoo, but... It was my very first email address back in 1997. Wow, um, you're so old. And, <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> and me and Erica had been dating for like maybe two weeks. And I was like, whatever. I have to get rid of this email address. Just get a new one. And it kind of stuck. So I, I've now, I keep it like in sort of for the humor of the whole situation because that's a bit ridiculous. And oh, uh, it's, adorable. it's not as bad as... It is adorable, and it's not as bad as, like, I set up a Hotmail account just on a whim, uh, like, last year, just to have to use if I really wanted to embarrass the person I was giving it to, and that one is um, foxybj69 at uh, hotmail.com, because, uh, you know, people with Hotmail addresses often have, like, the worst usernames. Have you found this? Yeah, because they're so old, usually. Like, the, the address would be so old. I don't know that people sign up for Hotmail addresses today, do they? Is it even a thing? Well, we were actually just talking before we went live about uh, th this little contest I ran on Facebook, uh, giving away some beer and uh, scooping email addresses. There were six winners. Four of them provided Gmail addresses and two of them provided Hotmail addresses. Now, I'm aware that when you provide an email address like that for a contest, it's normally one that you don't mind getting spammed at. I'm not going to spam you, but I do the same thing. So uh, I'm not, uh, I don't feel you know bad about that or anything. But yeah, two Hotmail addresses. And I'm always blown away. Uh, my tattoo artist still uses a Hotmail address, too. I'm like, really? Hotmail? Do you like being hacked? <laughs> Have you gotten a, a job application with a really bad email address on it? Uh, nope, never. Well, that's good. Uh, although you're still young in terms of uh, business experience at left field, and so who knows, maybe you will. Yeah, I'm sure it'll happen. I guarantee it. Uh, so let's talk about what we're drinking, because uh, if you're a regular listener at the, uh, the Toronto Beer Podcast, you'll know that the past uh, couple of episodes we've recorded in the morning, and Mandy, being a good, socially conscious uh, person, has uh, not been drinking beer, despite the name of the podcast. Uh, I have, but that's nothing out of the ordinary. So, But I know it's now nighttime. It is 8.48 p.m. What are you consuming tonight, Mandy? I'm enjoying a Bose Festival, and I haven't had this beer... Probably since Oktoberfest last year. Um, I guess it's their summer seasonal, but I, I just haven't made it out to their booths at the events or at any other place I might grab one, grab this beer. So it's my first one of the, the season, and I, it's always a great go-to for me. I love it. 
Yeah, I'm a big fan of that uh, that beer as well. What are you it's funny. This? Well, I'll, I'll tell you in a second. It's also a festival type beer, but uh, the Bose Festival that's a uh, an alt beer, and it was the first uh, alt beer I I'd had. Uh, and obviously, I mean, alt beer comes from where does it come from? Not Dortmund, but somewhere in Germany. I don't know, somewhere in Germany. I'm not a beer expert or anything, but uh, then I subsequently had um Cremor did one and um and then i had one from wherever it is that they're from and i was like wow that bose one is really really good like i'm not gonna say it's like the best or the you know anything like that but i mean just in terms of sticking to the style fantastic beer so i am drinking actually funny enough um a, another german style and a bit more of an obscure one i'm having a gosa from the uh the local seven they call themselves it's the session uh beer they make uh, i love the <laughs> gosa beer for summer because it's you know tart and effervescent and not hugely alcoholic and uh so yeah so i'm having a bottle of that and it is delicious that's the style i love as well does don't you add salt beer at some occasions uh, well, okay, I've added salt to the beer once with hilarious results, but uh, no, I tend to just leave it uh, with whatever salt they kind of have put in in brewing. The hilarious time was recording uh, at the edge. We were doing uh, the Opa's Ghosts from Bose, and they'd included a little packet of Himalayan pink salt uh, around the neck, and Fred insisted against my better judgment that we throw some in the beer to see how it would taste, but of course... Um, salt is crystalline and therefore adds like hundreds of thousands, if not millions of nucleation points in the beer, which means that all of the carbon dioxide and saturation immediately nucleates and it basically flows over like those volcanoes you would make as a child with uh, uh, vinegar and baking soda. And of course, it was while we were filming, so it made a giant mess and uh, yeah, good times, good times. That's perfect. It was. I felt a little bit like Steve from Bose had pranked me without, uh, without even necessarily meaning it. So, uh, speaking though of uh, session Muskoka, uh, which I attended, uh, was that last weekend, like mm -hmm. eight days ago, I guess. Yeah. Uh, let's catch up because we've done a bunch of festivals between the two of us, which is to say, three. And uh, so, yeah, let's just check in on those. I had a fantastic time at Session Muskoka. Weather was beautiful. As you warned me, the location is fantastic. Totally chilled out vibe. The music, Strombellos were there. So I uh, offered, because I was going to be there notably before, I actually went up the day before, uh, to Kurt and Jed that I would help out if they needed a bit of, bit extra, you know, muscle power because I'm a strapping young fella. Uh, I ended up helping out uh, with a bit of parking as the festival was starting, and I actually pointed the Strombella's van mm. into the backstage area. It was yeah, I felt pretty cool about that. Yeah, that was good. I didn't really say anything other than "Hey, I'm a big fan. Go over there." But uh, that was my moment. Uh, hey, how was uh, Roundhouse Craft Beer Festival? Because I didn't end up making it. It was great. It's always great. They pretty much doubled the amount of space this year, um, so that was pretty cool. It was gigantic like they took over every square inch of roundhouse park um so it was much much larger than it had been previously um cool. it was a pretty nice weekend it was a little bit muggy and rainy on saturday morning uh, but generally the weather was pretty great um what else any any standouts for you any awesome participants or cool booths that you visited they had a t-shirt gun and they shot t-shirts off the the roof of the brewery so that was pretty amazing 
And did you ask them where they got the t-shirt gun? Because you guys kind of obviously need that. <laughs> now we'll just ask to borrow it when we, when we need it. They have, uh, oh, they have a big brewery budget, idea. so hopefully they'll just, they'll just be kind to a fellow OCP member. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, it was a really good festival. To be honest, actually, it was one of the first times, and I think I probably said this re regarding the Toronto Festival of Beer, but it was one of the first times that uh, Mark and I didn't work the booth the entire weekend um, with the help of volunteer family and friends. So we have a, a larger team now and uh, a bunch of the team was down there helping with load in and taking shifts at the booth. And it was actually the first time I didn't set up the booth completely on my own. I actually ended up being sick on Saturday morning, um, not alcohol related. I was just not well. And uh, so the guys went down and set the booth up for us, uh, made everything look pretty great. And when I ended up getting down there on Saturday afternoon, everything looked really perfect. It was a good lesson for me and sort of just let it go because uh, I have uh, trouble doing that sometimes. But they did a really fantastic job and really impressed the heck out of us. Um, yeah, and then on, on Sunday we went down and helped out a little bit, but it was uh, it was Mark and I's anniversary on Sunday. And I actually then, saw the photos and I meant to say congratulations. Yeah, thanks. Seven years. So uh, Sunday was the actual day of our anniversary. So the team sort of insisted that we didn't work. Um, and it was nice. We ended up uh, grabbing some mugs, walking around the festival, enjoying some beers. Uh, we had brought Wrigley down with us, and so we uh, uh, awesome. We had some beers, and we put a blanket under a tree, and we had a little nap right in the middle of the beer fest. Uh, and it's just that type of beer fest, right? Where like, how many beer festivals can you go to and nap under a tree? But that's just the vibe of this one. It was so cool. That's awesome. Um, so did they have the train running? They did. Yeah. That's awesome. Because I, I, as soon as I said that, I was like, that might be a recipe for disaster because I've seen tourists nearly get hit by it despite the loud whistle. But uh, that's great that they no, do No, you that. know what? Uh, Steam Whistle actually this year, they put fencing around the entire train track, um, I guess for, for safety reasons and to make sure that the, the huge number of guests that they were getting down into Roundhouse Park didn't interfere with the train operations. So there was right. no no risk really of people getting hit by the train as it zips around the, the Roundhouse Park because they had fencing all around it. So it was great. Cool. Yeah, it was a really good time. The only thing that's unusual this year is that they uh, it didn't occur on the same weekend as a Jay's home series. And so... Yeah, they were kicking ass in New York this weekend. Yeah, so that was a bit of a downer for us because we typically do pretty well at our booth when you get the, the before and after game crowd from the Jays. Not to say we didn't do well, but um, you just don't get all those crazy baseball fanatics coming out because they're they're not down at the Dome. Um, so, yeah, that was really the only the only big difference for us this year. Cool. So it's funny you mentioned that you were sick Saturday morning and, uh, you know, took the time to note that it wasn't alcohol related. I don't know if that was, you know, a uh, knowledgeable shot or not, but uh, I also was sick Saturday morning and sick Saturday afternoon and into Saturday evening. And it was alcohol related. Yikes. Not just because I went to the only cafe beer festival on Friday night, because, of course, the only cafe is a very responsible location and uh it's, you know, it doesn't make its business off of over-serving people. I had a very moderate amount, I would say, to drink at the only cafe craft beer festival uh, because that's what I always do there. That said, I then went home. Um, I took a buddy of mine back to our place to watch um, the fantastically awful movie Grown Ups 2 three times in a row because we listened to this podcast called The Worst Idea of All Time, 
which I highly recommend to Kiwi guys spend a whole year watching Grown Ups 2 and then reviewing it every week. And now they're in season two where they do the same with Sex and the City 2. And we'd listen to the whole first season separately while we worked because we both have similar job types. And we decided, uh, well, we really need to watch this now. Uh, the first time we just watched it, the second time we watched it, and they provided um, like a director's commentary that they recorded, the Kiwis did. And the third time we watched it uh, playing the drinking game. No, wait, I've got that backwards. We did the drinking game and then the director's commentary. And that's why I was in such a bad state is because the drinking game was designed by two people who really hated the movie and really didn't want to have to be sober while they watched it. And uh, so I was an absolute mess Saturday morning. But uh, Saturday evening found me in the sauna at Erica's family's uh, cottage and I sorted myself right out with a good steam and uh, everything was better. But the only cafe was amazing as always. I spent a lot of time actually over by uh, left field and uh, not left field. Sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> let's let's edit that one. I spent a lot of time over at Side Launch and uh, Nickelbrook and uh, obviously toured around the other booths as well. It was a really good time. Quite busy, though. Um, so good for the only cafe there. And uh, yeah, had a fantastic time. Can't wait for the fall one. Uh, the fall one's one of my favorites because it's normally not so cold that you don't want to be outside, but it's not like sticky hot either try any great beers that you hadn't had before um nothing that i hadn't had um i was pretty insular in my drinking um, i'm just trying to think no nope i didn't i i mostly stuck to the the known the known waters but uh still lovely i i drank um a not well i'd say a moderate a moderate volume of uh uh, Paysan Saison uh, from Nicole Brook, which is just lovely. And uh, uh, yeah, side launch uh, wheat beer was on. They tried to have their Hell is Lager, but uh, they were having some problems with that keg. So it was just wheat beer, and that's never a problem in my books. So yeah, great. good times. Good times. Um, let's jump ahead now, though, because we're at 16 minutes, and uh, that's a lot of preamble. Uh, hey, I pulled up this really cool thing on the bar towel. You said you'd seen it, but you hadn't read it yet. Uh, this was a menu provided, I want to say, by Gary Gilman, I think. Yeah, it is. And uh, it is from Orso, which uh, was <laughs> a... Uh, an Italian restaurant on John Street from did I say 1990, and it's a beer pairing uh, dinner hosted or with, maybe not hosted by, hosted by the Gambrinus Society, but with Michael Jackson, which uh, I hope everyone listening to the podcast knows is not the fellow with the white glove, but in fact is arguably one of the most important beer writers uh, of, well, since writing about beer probably was a thing. Um, Anyway, it was 1990, and the menu, I'm going to put it in the show notes, is just, I, I mean, it's mind-bending to look at it and then think about where we are now in terms of what types of beer are available and uh, how we deal with pairing and stuff. Uh, have, you, have you looked at this yet? Yeah, I'm looking at it right now. Anything, any standouts for you? Anything make your eyes pop out? I am scanning through, trying to see if I, if I even recognize any of these. Not only beers, but brand like brand names other than the, the Labatt's and the Sleemans that are in here. Yeah, I mean we got um, Welly, and a special Wellington. pale ale. Yeah, um, 
Sure. Do you remember Connor's? They've got the Imperial Stout and Connor's Best Bitter was a great Best Bitter. They did some amazing English style beers. No, I don't know anything about most of these uh, most of these breweries. Like, what were you doing in 1990? Um, being 10, whatever 10-year-olds do. Yeah. Like oh, I was, yeah. <laughs> I was eight years old. The Jays had never won a World Series. Like, this yep. is just so foreign to me, this whole thing. And most of these brands, I I've never even heard of them. Yeah. Um, I mean... I might have one or two up on you being, you know, two years older than you. Gritstone, uh, premium ale is on this and uh, definitely, definitely uh, remember Gritstone. Of course, you can remember Upper Canada. They're still around as a unfortunate value brand uh, from Selena and Sapporo, but we don't need to go there. Uh, Brick Brewing right down at the bottom, uh, of course, mm -hmm. one of the, you know, early adopters. But yeah, no, I'm in sort of the same boat. Uh, Burlington Light, never heard of that. That was paired with pizza bread with garlic olive oil and rosemary um they paired a light lager with it which admittedly given the amount of bread involved maybe not a bad pairing but uh more just indicative i think of uh the availability on the market in 1990 there, there's actually two light beers in two separate pairings and the pairings uh, are both with pizza <laughs> and they're both with pizza uh i've, the never, second had, one, in I've fact, never had back-to-back -back pizza courses no, nor have I, nor have I, I think, ever even had a light lager uh, at a beer pairing. But there you are. Uh, two, like a Pilsner lager, a premium lager, a cream ale, a premium ale. <laughs> um, you know, m more than half of the pairings were still kind of cold yellow beers. Um, the standouts. And then you move right into like a standard. SPA. Then you move right into a standard dark ale, porter, imperial stout. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. And then and then two box for the uh the the cold Zabione with strawberries. I don't even know what that is. Oh, it's Sabayon. That's the Italian equivalent. Sort of a somewhere between a mousse and a custard. Anyway. Uh someone should recreate this dinner. Oh, that's a good idea. That'd be a that's lot of fun. A, that would be a lot of fun. The beers would be tricky. Cause I mean more than half most of these aren't available anymore no but you could uh, you could do like same style but uh new yeah. new brands would be fun get on this mandy oh no wait you guys don't make all those beers we'll <laughs> we'll organize it together more than half of these beers are lagers we don't make lagers at all <laughs> <laughs> so yeah anyway we should do this vintage beer dinner a remake of it i like that I like that. If anyone listening to Toronto Beer Podcast runs a restaurant that's heavily Italian. Um, or a brewery that makes lagers. And or a brewery that makes lagers. Um, get in touch. We are going to need two light lagers, at least two lagers. Uh, we can get, I think it'd be fun to still do Slim and Cream Ale because you can actually still get that one. Yeah, why not? Upper Canada Dark, I'm pretty sure you can still get. Wellington SPA. Uh, definitely. Gritstone Premium Ale. I think Gritstone is fully gone, but I feel like they were still around as like somebody's redheaded stepchild value brand not that long ago. Anyway, um, roasted guinea fowl, rolled pasta with spinach and ricotta. We can do all this. Cold grilled salmon. Come on. This is easy stuff. We could, we, we're going to do it. Okay, it's a plan. It. Well, it's not a plan yet. It's, it's just a concept. We'll make a plan. Um, but this is an interesting thing. So I'm, like I said, I'm going to put the menu up. Uh, we'll figure out when our event will be. We'll post that as well sometime. Uh, but uh, you can see the menu in the meantime. It's, it's, it is a, a beautiful little peek into uh, the beer scene 25 years ago. 
which is kind of crazy to say in uh, in in right here in Toronto. Uh, what's interesting about that, and actually part of the reason why I threw it in our show notes, is because I'd also dropped in um, businessinsider.com did an article uh, of the 20 best beers in the world, according to Rate Beer. And this was an interesting list because I think the, the word they use is ratebeer.com has curated a list of the top beers in the world. So this isn't just like they took the top beer from 20 styles. It's like ratebeer.com considering their own ratings, I guess, put this list together. And I, I said to you, of the 20 beers, uh, how many have you had? And you haven't actually had time to look at the list because, of course, I just did this today, as is my idea, uh, ideal. Um, but I'll go ahead and tell you that uh, of the 20, I think I've had four. <laughs> uh, and that's only because one of them is Duty Sale uh, Aphrodisiac. And uh, I've had a couple at the top end. Um, one of the Hill Farmsteads, uh, Zombie Dust, um and something else anyway i'm just scrolling through i should have made better notes what's uh no you know what i've never had westy eight really oh no wait i've had eight i don't know what blogger are you i no, i was gonna say oh and i've had plenty um the this is extra eight and i'm not sure if that's the same Um, as eight my bad that's the thing because we have westy eight at at castro's Mm -hmm. as well as the blonde and the uh 12 i remember if it's 10 or 12 Roachfort ten, West Veteran twelve. Um, yeah, I've anyway, not had the a, extra. I've not had the extra eight either. Yeah, I, I think eight. it is a different different beer. Um, Pliny the Elder. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I like. Uh, I thought it was pronounced Pliny. Oh, I don't know. It probably is Pliny. Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> no, we get it. We get that with our own beer. It's our own fault for naming our beer some sort of obscure terms, but uh, we get that all the time at festivals. So. Day in and day out when you're pouring at festivals, people will come up and check out your chalkboard and say, can I have a Euphus? Give me the Ephesus. Nice. Nice. Uh, Do you ever get any Baltic people who ask you for a Maris? Just all kinds of people are asking me for Marie. Can I get the Marie? I'm like, oh, it's not a French beer. It's Maris. Oh, that's even better. Marie. Nope. No such thing. It's a Maris. My brother-in-law married a woman named Maris from Estonia. And so... Uh, it's a bit of a, you know, I have to remember almost to not say Maris and just say Maris. You really got to err that Maris to kind of Americanize it, I think. It's all um, about baseball, which is extremely American. So just say it yeah. as American and as American of a way as you can. Maris. Nice. Ephus. Ma- Maris. Ephus. Um, s- six, four. Oh, no. About. Okay. I'm going to step down off that. Uh that soapbox now because I'm running out of juice on it. And uh, we're going to go back. Ray Beer's top 20 best beers. Any, oh, okay. Any standouts to you, but uh, anything off this list that you really agree you love, love, love? Well, I, I had already chosen Pliny as one of my top IPAs of all time. So that's a standout. But to be honest, I hadn't really. Did you choose Pliny as one of your top four? Sure did. I'm going to look that up. Oh, maybe I didn't. Jeez, Chris. The internet remembers everything. Keep going. I thought Stand that's it. why I, ha- I had such a high score. Um, no, 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 no. Nope, you did uh, not. I didn't. You chose Hetty. Hetty is why you had such a high score at 100. And then Fathead 
Head Shrinker Double IPA, Nickel Brick and Modest Double IPA, and Great Lakes Karma Citra. My bad. I had okay. originally written down Pliny when I was making my long, long list, but then you made me narrow it down. You had asked me for three. I ended up with four. I started with like 10, so. That's fair enough. It was on there. That's okay. Uh, this has been totally sidetracked. Okay. Anything else you want to add to this? Because I have a bit of a rant I'm going to step up on and maybe open a can of worms. Rant away. You sure? I was about to have a sip of beer. Have a sip. You're going to need it for your rant, I believe. Yeah. I needed to... I needed to moisten my palate for this one. Um, I haven't counted. I maybe should have been counting while I was letting you talk. I'm going to go ahead and guess six of the 20 are from Hill Farmstead. Now, I am not for a moment going to suggest that six or maybe even seven of those beers don't deserve to be on the top 20 partially because I think I've only had one beer from Hill Farmstead and I can't even remember what it was. It was fantastic. But there was just a thing today about uh, Hill Farmstead on Beer Advocate and uh, Todd, one of the two Beer Advocate brothers, actually locked the thread because he was just like, this is going to go so ugly. We just don't need to go here. But on the one hand, you had somebody complaining that Hill Farmstead was way too exclusive and like was intentionally exclusivizing their market through their distribution choices. And that basically it was an inconvenience to him because he couldn't get it easily because he lived more than an hour away or something like that. On the other, of course, were people who were saying, quit your whining. It's just beer. There are some really good beers near you. What's the big deal? If you don't like the business practices, just don't buy it, which is what you're doing anyway. Um, so I wanted to weigh in on Hill Farmstead because to people in Ontario, maybe who aren't really, really, really indoctrinated, you might not even know about Hill Farmstead, but this is a place where like every day that they're open, there's a significant lineup, um, to get beer. They frequently run out. They do only make a very limited amount of beer and they make it all very well. Um, but it has certainly caused some consternation between people who are like, it's, it's, you know, elitism or hipsterism. And then of course the people who just say, who cares, <laughs> people can operate breweries however they want. Um, what I will say that annoys me about Hill is almost that that these conversations even happen. I tend to side on that second half, which is like, hey, if you don't like a brewery's practices, why are you complaining about it? Just shut up and drink other beer. It's just beer. Um, in fact, the guy, Todd, the brother who shut it down, had a really good comment, which is it's a luxury item. It's not a required thing. Um, and so just calm down. But almost as much as I hate that, that, that sense of like people just whining about their own inconvenience. I hate that people are even that complaining about this stuff. Like I almost don't want to state my side to the, the story because I'm just like, wow, there are even in beer, there's so many better things to be worrying about than if a brewery is intentionally eluding their, their beer or something like that. So, uh, this is my whole farmstead thing. Uh, I couldn't, I couldn't agree more with you, Chris. People love to complain about everything. If people don't have something to complain about, they're just going to complain about not having anything to complain about. You, some yeah. of the complaints that I say on a daily basis are absolutely ridiculous. And I used to have a policy of finding a, a kind and friendly response, getting back to people within 48 hours, um, and just trying to make everybody happy. And it's not possible. And the number of complaints people 
send me about some of the ways that we do business, it's like, sorry, you don't get it. And that's fine. It's not for everybody. Whatever. Yeah. I got one this afternoon. I'll read it to you. Uh, okay. I just moved over to the East End, so I stopped by your brewery today, hoping to pick up a growler of resin bag. I left disappointed. I, like, I like where this is going already. <laughs> I left disappointed without buying any of your products after learning that your brewery does not offer a returnable growler option and resin bag would not be available again until December. Okay. Sorry. Like. <laughs> yeah. Duly noted. That's incredible. I, I'm, I'm very sorry that you are disappointed and that we can't make you happy, but we're everyone's working their butts off to make make it as great a place as possible and to keep beer in the fridge, to keep beer in stock and to keep beer at the accounts. Um, our fermenter, our extra fermenters that were supposed to be here at the end of June will be here until the end of August. And we're just, we're not going to make everybody happy. We, we can't keep up. And we've specifically chosen not to offer growlers for very specific reasons, which I've mentioned before in the podcast and talked about publicly many times. It's like, <laughs> sorry, it's just who we are and what we do. And I guess we're not going to make, we're not going to please you. And we've lost a fan and, it sucks because I, I, I tend to be the type of person who wants to please everybody, but not going to happen. It's really funny because uh, in the next bit we're going to tackle, I was going to say something that was basically going to be like, hey, this might lose me some fans. And guess what? If it does, I won't miss you, which I realize isn't what you're saying. You're much more tolerant than I am. But uh, but yeah, I, that's sort of complaining about stuff, especially that. I felt personally inconvenienced because you didn't do a thing that I wanted you to do. Okay, great. Thanks for letting me know. Top secret. A lot of other breweries have growlers. Like, what's your what? What do they expect your response to be? Oh, sorry, man. I'll just whip out and order a skid of growlers, which is probably going to cost me in the thousands of dollars, and also implement some sort of technology to fill them. That's insanity. It's, it's not stupid. even it's not even about that. It's like if it mattered so much what if it mattered to you so much what you were gonna get when you arrived, you should have checked ahead. Like I don't specifically yeah. set out to go to some place all the way across town just assuming that certain things will be available. Like Well, this person is an East Ender now, so you oh, know. Fair enough, right. I missed that piece of the mail. Yeah. Totally. <laughs> so they didn't even come that far. And That's right. When we launched Resin Bag in the in December Hopefully they'll come back. Hopefully we haven't lost them completely. But it's just, I don't even know how to deal with something like that anymore. Yeah. Hi, Did I'm really sorry you were inconvenienced. Period. Goodbye. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, exactly. Like, that's exactly <laughs> it. Hey, um, yeah, sorry we do business the way we do business. Um, it sucks. I'd love to have res bag in the fridge, too. We all I, Yeah, I wouldn't even give them that, to be honest with you. I can stock whatever the heck I want to stock. Anyway, uh, let's um, yeah, let's let's jump ahead now, and I'll I'll uh, I'll I'll alienate some people for you, and you know, we'll be on equal terms. Um, we we brought this up I think two shows ago in the show notes, and pushed it off, and and pushed it off, and then I was kind of like, you want to do this today? And actually, you weren't even all that you know jazzed on it, and. Uh, and but then today, just today, I came across like three different things that I was like, no, I think this I think this has got some legs today. So we're going to talk about sexism. And it's particularly about in our community. But I mean, you can't really talk about that 
um, particularly because I think both of us are going to agree it's not as prevalent in our community as it is in a lot of others. Um, but you can't talk about that without talking about broader topics. And the thing, the first thing that I was like, yep, no, this is this is this is timely right now um, is is in the broader community. There's all this talk right now about uh, whatever his name is, the friggin idiot, uh, like Roosh V or whatever, um, the pickup artist. You know, this guy, Mandy, not personally, but of you him. know what? I've heard the news, but I don't know who the guy is. So he's this douchebag out of the States. <laughs> I know that he's a guy that's not welcome in Toronto, according to the mayor, because he is sexist and has some terrible stuff to say about rape. But I actually haven't bothered looking up who he is or what he does. He actively campaigns that you can't. It, I'm trying to think of how to word this. Basically, the idea is if you're on private property, it's not rape. Hmm. <gasps> nice, eh? So like I said, this is a douchebag in the States who likes to make douchebag disciples of um, let's go with emotionally um, maladjusted, um, stupid men. Um, and so what I was going to say to alienate people right now, 38 minutes into recording, probably less than that when I edit it. But anyway, a good chunk of the way into the podcast. If you're a fan of Roosh V or whatever his name is, you can stop following me you can stop reading my blog you can stop listening to this podcast and i swear to god i won't miss you not even a little you can go straight to hell for all i care this guy is an idiot and if you believe anything he says you have problems we can work on those problems but first you have to admit it so stop following this guy he's a tool if you see him in toronto throw things at him uh civil disobedience is a worthwhile cause for a man who openly advocates for rape i'm just gonna put that out there right now <sighs> I don't think that. he should be allowed into the country. Is he already here? We should send him back. Yeah, they did a thing in Montreal. He's claiming it's a big victory. He had 34 men in a private hotel room for a meeting, which he claims they weren't able to stop. I don't know, but in the States, but what you do in literally a private residence, which a hotel is, you're entering into a short-term lease when you rent it. Uh, Ooh, what hotel? I can't remember. It's in the news. If he look it does up. appear at any Toronto venues. Oh. They're trying to book a Toronto venue, but of course, immediately every person with a brain um, is saying, no, this isn't cool. It's a bit like when Action Bronson was going to play at Young and Dundas Square. Because on the one hand, you have a very valid uh, freedom of expression, freedom of speech, um, you know, question. Um, so... With an artist like Action Bronson, whose music I don't like, I don't like his message. Um, again, I think he appeals to particularly um, in inadequate feeling dudes who feel like they need to boost themselves up by being more macho and talk about dragging up girls and having group sex with them. Um, but uh, as an artist, he's entitled to his art form in a private place where people um, can choose to go and uh, indulge in that. Um, but he doesn't deserve, he shouldn't be allowed in a public place where it, this is, this is the point of a public place is that it's for everybody. I can't go there. If he's going to be there, I can't bring my kids there. If he's going to be there, he's infringing on my rights now to be in a public space. Um, and that's, that's not okay. As far as I'm concerned, I am a socialist, uh, left-wing nut job, but, uh, there you have it. Um, I think it's much, much, much worse when the person, uh, a la, whatever this friggin' American douchebag conspiracy, not conspiracy pickup artist uh, guy is, uh, where he is actively trying to 
change people's minds about things that are really horrific um, and should be. So uh, I definitely don't think he should be allowed in the country. I, the, one of the issues, I believe, is, of course, he doesn't have any criminal charges against him. If he did, that would make it really easy to keep him out. Mm-hmm. Um, but he he doesn't. So, yeah. Um, yeah. Anyway, so he's, he's coming and he was just in Montreal and he's coming to Toronto this weekend. Um, so, again, fully advocate. <laughs> I mean, you know, maybe not actual physical violence but yeah throw things at him that's not violent as far as i'm concerned um you know you want to fill up some uh overripe green peppers with uh, uh interior latex paint or even better oil-based paint go ahead um uh, that's a that's the kind of civil disobedience i'm into good old-fashioned rotten tomato throwing um, i just read that uh all the talk and media coverage gave him a big spike in online searches so let's do one thing and not link to anything relating to him Yes, I, I that will not be in the show notes, and I will encourage you not to look him up. Um, because yeah, he's just a yeah, like I say, a douchebag in the states who has a small soapbox that's made bigger every time anybody links to him. So we're not going to take part in that. But anyway, this is a big news story today, and uh, is indicative, unfortunately, of a reality, uh, which is that not only um, are we still dealing with sort of more benign forms of sexism if you could call them that but still dealing with these very active <laughs> this is like the kkk of uh of 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 sexism so anyway it got me thinking we were talking about it of course and and the other side of this uh, in terms of beer was this big story out of uh, craft brewers conference this year which actually I've done more looking into now um, and I still think is horrific, but at least there's a little bit more context for it. But um, there were a few uh, events. Now, these are not craft brewers conference events. These are after parties and brewery parties and stuff like that in Portland this year that were hosted at strip clubs. Apparently, this is because Portland has like as many strip clubs as Montreal and they're much, much, much more common in Portland. Um, And and I believe they have craft beer focused strip clubs because it's portland yeah they do um there are yeah exactly that either craft or uh like strip clubs that at least have craft beer and then yeah ones that are specifically craft beer uh strip clubs so this is one might say part of the culture uh which i think allowed a lot of people to sweep it under the rug um hopefully this isn't too extreme a connection but one might also say that flying the confederate uh uh war flag over the state building in south carolina was also um just a cultural thing um just because something's cultural doesn't necessarily mean it's okay and uh here i really think that's not okay um again i am a uh uh lefty nut job uh i i would i don't i worry about using the term um feminist but certainly um would would be ideologically in uh, much the same boat as many of the people who would self-identify as feminist. Um, I have no problem with women being comfortable with their bodies, with women uh, celebrating their bodies. Uh, unfortunately, regardless of the motivation of the stripper, as you know, feminist pro uh, pro anybody goes kind of thing, as the stripper might be most of the people going to the strip club are not going to take part in that um, sense of women's lib. They're going um, purely to sexually objectify the women uh, who they are uh, viewing and, um, 
and and that's that's a, a good case. Um, I've been to a strip club exactly once, and it was as depressing as hell. And I actually literally finished the night sitting with two fully naked strippers and a guy from New Zealand talking about theological references in uh, the music of U2. So that's kind of how I roll in strip clubs. But I found it not shocking that there would be people uh, hosting craft beer events in strip clubs, but still sort of... I felt like, man, we've yeah, we've got a long way to go because that's just not okay. It, it is literally uh, excluding a huge piece of the craft brewing scene, and that's not just to say women. That would be exclusionary to me too, because I wouldn't go. And I just think that's a stupid business choice. So, but that is a huge preamble to say we're going to talk about sexism in craft brewing and particularly here in toronto because that's obviously the focus of our podcast as it's got the word toronto right there at the beginning um you mandy have a much better sense than i would about working within beverage alcohol and craft beer particularly and realities in toronto ontario wherever of sexism in the workplace in, in your experience better or worse than experiences in other industries so on and so forth you know what, this isn't a popular opinion, but I just don't encounter it all that often. I find that the type of people who are interested and in, into craft beer are generally pretty well-educated and generally fairly liberal. And I don't know, me, for myself personally, I've never really encountered the craft beer culture as being a a boys club sure it is dominated by male consumers i would say that at least like 60 percent plus of the consumers have got to be male if not more um but I, I i've never found it to be an exclusionary community i've always f felt very included whether you're knowledgeable or uneducated around craft beer i always found it very and i, I continue to find it to be very inclusive um, I don't know. I just, I, I don't encounter it a lot personally. I do have a few examples of, of times when I've encountered it, but I don't, I don't know if I would chalk those up to sexism or just other types of stereotyping. I well, know. I mean, I, I, I'm very, um, open in my definition of, of sexism and I'll certainly throw out a couple of examples that possibly other people wouldn't, uh, class as, as sexism. Um, one that I would say, so uh, let me backpedal and say that certainly I agree with you, um, quite a bit, maybe not entirely, um, particularly in the core of the Ontario industry, like where we both spend a lot of time. It, I mean, for one, it, yeah, of course it's a male dominated industry, um, because historically in North America, you go back to a time when it wasn't common for women to work. Um, like a lot of industries, it's taking more time for women to get uh, more involved in it. The good news is there are tons, yourself being one, and like more women than I could count on two hands in Toronto who are either brewers or uh, 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 <laughs> brewers. Beer sales reps. Beer sales reps, which is an easy one. I was trying to say bar owners, which I couldn't quite get out. Um, promo girls. You can't forget promo girls. Okay, so but that's one of the examples I'm going to. <laughs> but before we go there, because that one to me is just low-hanging fruit, here's an example, and this is a personal experience, um, and it actually colored an action of mine. So let me tell you. Um, 
this is certainly not the rule, but the number of times when I'm at an event and, uh, you know, there's swag involved and uh, maybe like a pub crawl, maybe during OCB week. I'm not I'm actually not pointing at the OCB pub week pub crawl because I didn't go to it this year, but it could be during Toronto Beer Week. Those type of pub crawls. And there are breweries that left field does this. You got T-shirts to give out. You got hats, stuff like that. And somebody's like, hey, you want a, you want a shirt? I go, yeah, yeah, I'll have a shirt. Okay, what size are you? I'm a medium. Oh, okay. Yeah, no, no, no mediums, no mediums, large, extra large, extra, extra large. Oh, oh, here's a medium. Oh, no, that's a woman's shirt. Okay. Uh, and I've done a little like census on the shirts. So men's, good luck if you find smaller than a large, um, which given my you know, not great fitness regimen over the past six months actually is probably a good thing now, but uh, certainly historically, I'm more of a medium shirt wear. But I've looked at the women's shirts and they range from extra small to medium. That's sexism. <laughs> That's basically saying we don't want you in our brewery shirt if you're larger than a medium. Why, Chris? And that I would that invite you to visit horrific. my brewery where I specifically yes. ordered shirts from the only supplier that could offer me a double XL ladies tee. Love it. When I did my shirt offer that never actually ended up going anywhere, I very intentionally had as much as the provider would allow. There were slightly different colors of pink, which was a bit of a problem for me, but um, five different colors of shirts, all the exact same men's and women's and the full gamut of sizes, men's and women's. And I feel like I had to follow the the provider's language because it was done through their site. But um as much as possible, stayed away from gender basing the uh, shirt type, because I know guys who prefer to wear women's shirts uh, for a variety of different lifestyle choices. And I certainly know women who don't feel that most of the women's cuts fit them in a particularly flattering way. And they would rather wear the more, uh, you know, unisex as, as I think the company called it shirt or what most people would say is men's shirts. So yeah, even though I stock the lady shirts, I actually don't wear them. I prefer wearing the unisex or the men's shirts um, in a smaller mm -hmm. size, but I, I did have a guy come in this week. He's a really tiny guy and he bought a, a lady's large tee. Totally cool. No big deal. Um, and I don't stock the ladies extra small tees because quite honestly, like adults come in all shapes and sizes, but the only people that would fit into a lady's extra small tee from this tea manufacturer is a child. And it's just not right. So I didn't even bother getting the ladies extra small. The small is meant for a very, 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 very tiny person. Um, even in the ladies sizes, I'm most comfortable in like a large and XL. And I'm I'm not a large woman by any means. So the sizing is, is insane. It's always so weird in t-shirts. And I, I really actually typically hate lady sizes in tees. But... I get requests for them all the time, so I decided to stock one that could offer us a double XL ladies tee because it's just more rep representative and realistic of what an actual size woman would wear. Absolutely, um, and that's that's good. Um, but again, to me, when I see that from any brewery, and you guys aren't one, and I actually I should have maybe prefaced that because I've I've kind of worked in your booth, I've seen your T-shirt selection. Um, but yeah, when I see a brewery that'll only hand out up to a women's medium. That's that's pretty bleak. Um, that's not good news. And then the other one, and you already brought it up. And I just uh, there are, and and I realize I'm moving into the realm of somewhat objectification here, but there are some fantastically beautiful women who work in the craft beer scene in Toronto. 
And that's cool. I don't have a problem with that. I'm not so touchy and PC that I won't, you know, actively say, hey, that's a really good looking woman. Um, but I worry because it's not uncommon to meet, say, an event staffer whose only attribute seems to be fitting in something smaller than a women's medium shirt, who can't really talk to you much about the beer, who doesn't seem to know that much about the company. Um, and, you know, you could argue that a couple of different ways. You could say, well, they're the only people applying, and I certainly have no way to prove you wrong on that. Um, but man, I worry about that. I worry about that a lot. It, when you go up to a booth and there's like three people and it's like Ken and Barbie and Barbie's really hot sort of unusually ethnically looking friend, like that looks pretty intentional and pretty exclusive. And I mean, hey, as much as, yeah, well, we have a guy there too, that still is just using sex to sell. And that's one of the things that we really are supposed to be pushing back against in craft beer. Um, and I don't like it. I don't like it. And it does happen here in Toronto. Chris, you're, rem you're reminding me of, uh, of my reaction the first time I had actually put together an event, like an experiential marketing plan um, for events and festivals. For some of the cooler brands that I had managed, we had always done more traditional media um, to to spend our marketing budget, we would do like TV and billboards and print. Uh, and then as things started getting more and more experiential, that's sort of the way you needed to go as a marketer. I put together an event plan and I remember working with this agent, this promo agency and their gig was events. That's, that's really what they specialized in. And as I was going through the process with them, I remember being completely alarmed when I received the event proposals from them because it included like the booth set up and, um, the events that we would be attending and the dates and all the typical stuff you would expect in an event plan, some renderings of how the festival would look and how your booth would sort of fit in amongst it. And then when I scrolled to the, the later pages in the, the plan, it included names and headshots mm -hmm. of the people who would be staffing the booth. And my response was, can I meet them? <laughs> yeah. I don't care what they look like. I need yeah. to talk to these people and meet them, put them in front of me. Um, like I'll book the boardroom, you bring them in. And they were, this promo company that I was working with was completely alarmed that I had made such a request. It was like, well, everything you need is on the page. It was, it was the most unusual interaction ever. And then when I asked where they were sourcing these people from, like how they actually went about hiring them, it was actually through a modeling agency. I was going to say, tell me it's it a modeling, through a modeling agency. agency. And I just about lost my mind. I'm like, well, that's not how we're doing it. Sorry. Let's start over. Wow. Uh, I will say though, and I said it before, and you've you've talked about it within our core group community of people. My experience certainly has been that sexism isn't a problem. Um, I actually remember. I wonder if I should. Yeah, I'll name names on this one. It was it was it was an innocent sort of you know Northern European thing. But um, Anders Kissmeyer made some reference in an interview thing. It was like a talking head panel thing at Bose Oktoberfest two years ago, I guess. Um, somebody asked him about like why he thought there weren't as many women in brewing. And he, he got off to a great start. And he was talking about like historically recent history, because of course, older history, it was almost exclusively female at points. But uh, more recent history, it's just been a male-dominated industry and it's hard to make change. But then he said, and you know, you do have to lift 25 kilo bags of malt. <laughs> like the whole room minorly flipped out, men and women, because we aren't as used to that level of sort of you know, 
sexist thinking. <laughs> Whereas to a lot of Northern Europeans who I know, they'd be like, yeah, well, no, you do, right? Like, that's a manly thing to have to do. Um, but I think we, when it happens in Ontario, we're a little bit more aware of it when it's that sort of glaring. Um, but yeah, I think there are still a lot of more quiet ways, like the t-shirt issue that I take umbrage with that still exists in Ontario. So we still have some work to do, don't we? We do. Even on a few occasions when I've, uh, a couple of small examples that I have is on a few occasions where I've helped out with doing some cake deliveries. I'll, I'll be honest, I cannot deliver a 50 or a 58 liter cake. I'm not, I am not strong enough. Yeah. Um, it's just not possible for me to lift it. I can roll it if I don't need, if it's completely on flat ground, but that doesn't help me with getting it out of the van. So it's like, it's just not happening for me. I can, however, deliver a 30 liter keg and I've done it on many occasions. I take it off the van or the truck and I put it on my dolly and I wheel it inside. It's pretty darn easy. It's not actually that heavy. Um, and on many occasions when I've done that, I've had people come and like actually try to men come and try to even take the dolly away from me. Like, Oh, I, I can get that. I can help that help you with that. And fair, like you're just trying to be courteous, but I'm I'm a capable adult, and I, I got it this far. So I did the hard work, which is actually lifting it off the truck. Um, the dolly is actually the easy part. So I don't know. That's sort of a weird thing to encounter as a woman, but it, it happens all the time. Um, and I I don't really I don't really know how I feel about it. It, it doesn't necessarily offend me. Um, it's just an unusual thing to have to deal with as a woman. Here's like a, a feminist uh, weight check. How how feminist are you? What do you do if a dude holds the door for you? I say thank you. Same thing I do if a woman holds the door for me. Yeah, that's good. I hold doors, and occasionally you either get a dirty look or I've even been told off for it. Like I'm perfectly capable of holding the door. I'm like, yeah, I hold doors for guys, too. I just, I tend to hold doors for people. Um, yeah. I'm Canadian. Yeah. But, uh, okay, good. Sorry, you were about to say something and I cut you off with my, my check. Yeah, I've had another one. And I, I don't know if this was a sexism issue or if it's because I was wearing a t-shirt and I hadn't done my hair and I had no makeup on that day. So I looked a little bit like a little boy, which sometimes happens. But um, working at a festival one time and Mark actually wasn't working at the booth with me. It was it was myself and another one of our team members. Um, and someone at the booth came over and, and I guess they had seen us at working at booths. Uh, previously or they had seen mark previously working at the booth uh and so they ordered a beer and they said you know what it's so nice to see that the owner's taken a day off yeah uh, he's always doing these things so it's nice to see that he's taken a day off and i was like eh, whatever you can't i don't know i can't get all worked up about it i just sort of laugh it off and... yeah i can uh i can attest to boneheaded comments like that um let me give you one uh and this is one i made so just to you know as, as much as I'm railing against need for, you know, better tolerance and stuff. Um, I'm, you know, it's funny. I went to ask the person who was involved in this and then it just didn't happen. And I'm, I'm not going to name names on this one because, um, I don't know, it might be a bit embarrassing for them. But uh, I have a friend, a mutual acquaintance in the uh, industry, and uh, he was at an event with his partner who I did not know particularly well. I think I'd met her maybe once in passing. and. Uh, we were kind of, you know, like a little mini kind of group chat, a couple of different people talking. And then uh, my friend was diverted on some sort of conversation and he was kind of turned away. And there was a kind of a beat or two of it wasn't quite awkward, like it wasn't it, it wasn't awkward, um, but I just felt like oh, I should say something. And to be fair, um, Erica, generally my wife, doesn't come to these sorts of events with me because she dislikes them. <laughs> um 
and on the rare occasion that she ends up with that sort of a thing um and and especially when i'm doing that sort of thing where i'm 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 meeting and greeting and having you know varied discussions and stuff like that um you know she she uh (laughs) she's often just standing around bored out of her mind and uh so i turned to my friend's partner and in a way that at the time, and as soon as I kind of said it, it felt off. I was just trying to be like commiserating. I was like, oh, like, do you, I can't even remember what I said. Something like, oh, like doing the, like the, the craft beer widow thing. Like it must, you know, it, I don't know, like something like it must suck coming to events like this and, and having that or something like that. And uh, I, however I worded it, she kind of cocked an eyebrow at me and was like, I'm the reason why he drinks craft beer. And I was like, Sorry, I and like I right away I was like, wow, um, that was a really horrific thing for me to say. Uh, totally sexist. I I don't even know what what came over me, and I think I was trying to like explain it, and she kind of laughed, like she laughed it off. She was like, it's not a big deal, but man, I just felt like the biggest ass because it was it was classic. I was like, oh, like he's the dude, he's having the big chat about craft beer. You're standing there just drinking a beer. You must be bored. This must not be your scene. It's totally your scene. So of course, was, guys like beer, girls drink coolers and yep. wine, right? Like, yeah, well, that's how, it too. That's I get another, it all the time with guys at beer festivals, and I don't know if it's because they really understand and listen to their girlfriend or their wife or their significant other, um, or it's because they make assumptions. But the guys will come up in all the time and they'll say, well, "What do you have that's like light and fruity? I gotta get something for my girl." Like, right. is that because she likes light and fruity, or is that because you're assuming that that's what she drinks? Um, well, and you see it all the that. time with ladies nights at bars, right? It's like cocktails and, and wine. Of course, That's ladies right. night couldn't be the same thing as craft beer night at a bar. It's insanity. Yeah. Uh, worse than that is when you're at a craft beer place. And so on on the one hand, a uh, woman walks up to the bar. If a woman walks up to the bar and says, and, and anyone working at a craft beer place, hear me. If a woman walks up to uh, the bar and says, like what do you recommend or like a really open-ended request do not immediately go to the fruit beer please for the love of god she might end up ordering the fruit beer and that's fine don't go to the fruit beer okay you wouldn't have gone to the fruit beer if it was a dude unless you would if it was that good a fruit beer if you're recommending it to everyone that night go ahead but my god don't just see a woman and go oh you want a fruit beer (laughs) or you know like that's that's insanity that's offensive and then even worse uh, again, not going to point fingers because it's a decent bar that has, for the most part, incredible staff. But I remember one time at a bar in the city, remaining nameless, I saw a male bartender try and talk a woman out of getting a double IPA. <gasps> and uh, and he wasn't like, it wasn't quite mansplaining, but he was really being like, oh, it's pretty bitter. It's pretty bitter. And she's like, yeah, I like double was IPAs. Was it because she had previously indicated that she's not into bitter beers? Because that's the only acceptable response. Well, I don't have... Uh, that background but i did hear her specifically say she drinks double ipas so yeah i've never that, see i've never encountered bad. that i sort of wish i had like just to as like a rite of passage for a woman like just dealing with that that crap i sort of wish i had dealt with it so i'd have a different perspective because i know my opinion or my perspective isn't necessarily a, a popular one but i've just never had it happen i've never gone up and said hey i'm really I'm like i'm really looking for a a big dark beer or a double IPA and someone said but really you're a girl or even implied that to me ever I've never ever had that happen yep well I've seen it and it was it was ugly like I I almost wanted to like do something but I didn't even know what to do like what do you do in that situation hey douchebag just give the woman the beer okay that yeah you have to make like 
give anybody the beer. Yeah. The exception being if anybody says, oh, the IPA, I really like Keith's. That's an alarm bell right there. Right. Then you should ask some more questions before deciding whether or not they're going to be satisfied with their choice. And that's always the approach I take. It's like, treat people like people. Their beer has no gender. No, that's it. You know what? One of the blog posts I read and you just said it. That's perfect. Let me get to it here. It's one of these. This is from Antihero Brewing, which is uh, an American brewery, I guess. I don't know anything about them, but I found this uh, blog post and I am going to make sure that I put this in the show notes by closing all of the other sexism posts. There we go. Um, he says, uh, I believe his name is Vinny, says... Beer is for people. It doesn't care what bits you have between your legs. It doesn't care what color your skin is. It doesn't care what language you speak or where your parents came from. Beer is pretty effing fantastic that way. Uh, unless you've got celiacs, then sorry, beer is not perfect. I simply beseech everyone who makes beer their business, hobby, or passion, stop effing it up for the rest of us with all of your bullshit. <laughs> That's so well said. Like, are you of age? Check. Are you yep. cool with gluten? Check. Check. Are you Do okay you with alcohol? Check. Do you beer have lips and a tongue? Yeah. Here you go. You know what? Actually, no, I shouldn't say that. If you don't have lips and a tongue and you have a way to drink beer, you're welcome Good for to you. it. Yeah, yeah, why not? Maybe you love the aroma and then you like pump it into your veins or something. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> beer is beer has seriously has no gender. It's insane. The only other I had one other tiny anecdote that I was going to share with you, Chris, uh, about sort of my experiences as a woman in the industry. Uh, a few times working festival booths with another man of any kind whether they're one of my employees or a friend or a family or even with mark um, the assumption will always be that the man is the boss and i think that's not just that's not unique to craft beer uh, mm -hmm. but when someone wants to what comes comes up to the booth or even into the brewery and asks like who's in charge here i want to talk to uh, who's the boss the assumption is always that it's the man yep it's pretty interesting but oftentimes those are salespeople, and i don't want to talk to them anyway um, so I just say the boss isn't around right now. He's really busy. He's got a lot of on the go. I'll let him know you drop by. See ya. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's good. Nothing beats using the sexism for your own gain. <laughs> uh, okay, what's coming up for you guys? What any silent events? Have you planned any silent events yet? I haven't. No. Uh, everything's sort of died down a little bit so yeah i got that i got that impression yeah it's not a big deal so what's going on uh just some own like some stuff for our own brewery it's not really public events that i need to promo but uh if i sound kind of happy and excited versus the grumpy episode i kind of am um it pretty much looks like the jays are going to win the world series so pretty that's much. exciting the parade. I have, the parade. Uh, and yes I, I said it go on record i said it um i have two jays games light up this week personally so that's going to be a a lot of fun. Um, this week with our team, we're doing what's called Summer Fun Day. So we're actually closing down the production, deliveries, and sales for the day. Um, we're taking the team out for a day of, of good times and fun. So Can we'll you be... say what, or is it a surprise? Uh, well, it's on Thursday. So I guess is, if this is going up on Friday, I can say. I was going to put it up tomorrow on Wednesday. Then I can't say because it's a surprise for the team. Okay. Uh, but follow team, us on Instagram. Stay, stay tuned. Yeah, I'm not sure that they listen to the podcast anyway, but <laughs> they probably uh, hear enough of you. They're way too busy, and they do not want to hear my voice after hours. Um, yeah, but we'll probably post to put it on Instagram and stuff because we have a really great day lined up for everyone, and we've all worked like 
dog. So we're excited to, to get out of the office and have a day to just enjoy and sort of celebrate. Um, what else? I just saw that Bo's Oktoberfest was announced. So we're trying to uh, coordinate getting most of our team out there for the weekend. We're going to make a little tent city. I don't know. You should read the camping regulations this year, Chris. It looks like it's going to be a bit different. So we got to figure oh. out figure out our plan. They're going to be locking lock down the camping a little more than previously. Gross. Yeah. So check it out. That's our goal. We'll be camping anyhow. I uh, just don't yeah, know that we'll be making tent city, but it, it'll be a good time regardless. Yep. Um, what else is going on? We're pretty much done beer festival. So we're starting to work on our plans for Toronto Beer Week, which is in September. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, good to plan ahead. Yeah, we have, some good, we have some really good stuff on the go already, um, making our plans for cast days. So yeah, a lot of stuff on the go behind the scenes. And like I mentioned earlier, we're we're expecting some new fermenters toward the end of the month, and we're getting a new bottling line next week. So there's a pretty big expansion going on right now at our brewery, and we're just trying to uh, manage through that and also stay on top of what's going on with the Jays because it's so exciting. And you guys, uh, I know you'll know. It would be so much more cooler if I just had it off the top of my head. What is it you're calling when you do pilot brews? Bush League or something like that? <laughs> no, it's the Little League series. Uh, <laughs> I should have thought of that one. Did you consider Bush League? Because that's a good name, I think. Sounds kind of uh, amateur. It does sound kind of amateur. What? Uh, anything exciting happening there? Uh, you know what? They haven't all turned out. So that we're the purpose of piloting the batches is to like prepare a recipe um, before we scale it up to a full-scale batch, like a mm-hmm. full-size batch. And we've had a few drain pours, so... Hits um, and misses. Yeah, and that's all part of that's all part of new recipes and development and experimentation. So um, I remember our, our first drain pour in the Little League series, I asked uh, Rob, one of our brewers, how does it feel as a brewer when you actually have to pour something out? And he told me, much better than serving it. <laughs> so It's true. Um, it's a good answer, yeah. So uh, we only put something on the taps if we're totally, completely happy with it. And we haven't always been in that case, but it's been fun because we've been working on a new recipe. We have a new brand that we're going to be launching in the fall. Um, It'll launch the beginning of September, so I can probably share it in an upcoming podcast pretty soon. Uh, But we've actually, we've brewed it a couple of times on the the small system and we scaled it up just this week. Actually, they brewed the, the full production batch of it. So it'll be our new fall seasonal and it'll take the place of Sunlight Park, which was our summer seasonal. Nice. Yeah. Cool. What do you have going on? Uh, not much beer wise. Um, got uh, on Sunday. We're going out to Sandbanks Provincial Park. Beautiful. Which, yeah. If I, oh, if you're listening to this, uh, actually, I know for a fact about three percent of you aren't in Ontario. Um, but if you're of the ninety-seven percent who are, you gotta just be a tourist in your own province. We got. I mean, Sandbanks is fantastic, and obviously, I'm going there. I support that hugely. Uh, Fathom Five. Up at like Tobermory or wherever. Man, beautiful marine park. We have some beautiful places in Ontario. Get outside, check them out. Uh, Parks Ontario is a great place to start. And uh, so we're going out four days at Sandbanks. Uh, we went last year. The kids loved it. Uh, we loved it. It's drive up camping. The thing for us is it's cheap, cheap, cheap. You know, you could you could make it expensive if you wanted to buy some, you know, beautiful wine and stuff. But you can do it as as inexpensively as you would live any day normally in the city just head out do a little drive up camping and spend hours in the sun on like some of the nicest beaches in ontario um and then uh after that it's full-on move mode because we have been beachers in exile and uh, we are making our grand return to the beach this is the 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 beach the beaches in toronto um uh, uh in september 
So we are really, really excited. And being back down by Castro's, it's going to be amazing. Um, pretty so close great. to left field. It's going to be great. Pretty, pretty close to left field. But you know what? I've heard they don't do growlers. So fuck you guys. Uh, um, speaking of Castro's, uh, let's assume this goes up on Wednesday, in which case I'm totally going to leave this part in. That'll be today. That'll be tonight. That'll be in the next few hours. If you are in the East End and you have ears that you like to use, I'm going to invite you to come out to Castro's Lounge Wednesday night, August the 12th. Because live, direct from the United Kingdom somewhere, I don't know where, it's a small place, is the youngins. These guys are going to be singing sea shanties. And I laugh even saying it, because gosh, could we be more hipsters? But if you have never listened to a, an acapella group singing sea shanties, you have not lived. We have a fantastic sea shanty group here in Toronto. They're called uh, Press Gang Mutiny. Um, they're, they're semi-regular at Castro's Lounge. Certainly one of their singers is a regular in a couple of the bands there. They're fantastic, and they're hosting these guys before these guys hit up a tour across North America, I think. And we are hosting them tomorrow night at Castro's Lounge, 8 o'clock p.m. No cover, just bring money for the jar and some money for beer. And uh, my gosh, you are going to love it. And uh, so hopefully see a lot of people there tomorrow night. I'll be there. And uh, yeah, that's it. That's all I got. I got until uh, Toronto Beer Week. That's the next big week for me, too. And I'll be living in the beach, which means back on the streetcar line. This past Toronto Beer Week, I had to take the bus from Morden Station. And anybody who's yeah. taken the bus from Morden Station knows that blows. So That really doesn't sound like a lot of fun. The other reason I'm excited to have you back at the beach is because the... Uh, Hopefully your kids will see a little bit more of Wiggly as he grows. I know. I, we even said like the other day, I was like, I got to take the kids by and see Wiggly because they haven't seen him in like almost a month, I think. He's getting so big and he's so bad. He's so bad. He yes. still loves cuddles and he loves kisses, just like I always imagine my kissy, cuddly puppy. But he is so bad. We're He's learning, but he's stubborn like a hound just like you would expect a hound to be. Mm -hmm. um, and he's, yeah, he's stubborn. So learning is, uh, it's all about consistency and um, yeah, just not giving in to him, but he, he's so adorable. We actually had him down at the roundhouse uh, on Sunday with us and yeah. you couldn't, you couldn't take three steps without him being swarmed by a new 10 people. Um, needless to say, his Instagram account gained about 150 followers that day. <laughs> uh, no lie. He, <laughs> And he helped us with cleanup, which involved him jumping in a, a big pile of ice that we had jumped out of the jockey boxes. If you haven't seen it on his account, it's adorable. Look at it. Um, but he still can't walk up or down stairs. And uh, he pretty much always trips over his own ears. He's really bitey and barky, but he's learning. Nice. Yeah. He, he is adorable. Uh, even if you can't buy a growler at left field, it's worth going by to see Wrigley. Or as you know, my daughter calls him Wiggly because she's three. It's adorable. I didn't even uh, see it coming, but that's what we get from all kids. Every child that comes through the brewery and meets meets Wiggly calls him Wiggly. It's adorable. Yep. It's so funny because he is. He's so Wiggly. He is Wiggly. Yeah. Okay. Uh, let's do this again in two weeks. Sounds good. We're out of uh, backdated content now. We're going to have to get creative. We'll work on it. Podcast listeners, I love you. And I see you out there. We get decent listens. Something in the neighborhood of like 60 or so listens an episode, I think, right now. 
So you're out there. 60 whole people. We should do some Q&A. Would that be fun? Well, that's ex- well, not exactly what I was about to say, but that's along the exact idea of what I was about to say, which is uh, throw us some stuff. And yeah, Q&A. You got something you want to know? Want to know something about running a brewery? Ask Mandy. Want to know something about living off the fat of the land? Ask me. <laughs> Want to know, ask, ask something about how obnoxious hounds are? Hey, we both got experience there. Uh, so seriously, okay? You can message us so many different ways. We're on Twitter and Instagram, T.O. Beer Podcast, I think. Uh, Facebook, Toronto Beer Podcast, torontobeerpodcast.com. Okay, that actually might be it. But it, it, seriously, there's, that's more than enough in today's day and age to reach out to us. Fire some stuff. Or if you got a cool story, you got something you want us to talk about, send it on out because we want to know. What are you guys thinking? And that will be great because I'm going to be on the beach for one third of the next two weeks so uh yeah so thank you thank you mandy i will uh i still got a beer for you from the united states gotta drop that by so that's consumed fresh let's uh let's meet up that's a double ipa they age well cool (laughs) all right thanks for doing this uh toronto talk to you in like two weeks